The God of Mischief is back and better than ever. Loki. 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 Wow. Great to see you again. Critics agree. Loki season two is marvelous. Great. And it's finally here. How much do you know? Let's assume I don't know much. A mind-bending adventure. Spectacularly cinematic. I've been waiting for a moment like this. It surpasses all expectations. A little over the top, don't you think? I thought it was spot on. Loki Season 2. Now streaming only on Disney+. Plus. How are you now? <laughs> How are you now? <laughs> uh, ladies and gentlemen, your Montreal Canadiens have lost the basement bowl. They lost to the Arizona Coyotes by a score of 5-2. to two. Hello and welcome to episode 37 of the Bottom 6 Minutes podcast presented by Habs Eyes and the Prize. I am Matt Drake and uh, <laughs> I gotta admit, I'm a little bit pissed off. Just a little bit. Um, I mean, it, it's it's hard to be too pissed off. I mean, on one hand, kind of take a step further towards getting the, the you know the best possible odds, anyways, at the number one draft pick, Shane Wright. Um, but on the other hand, that was just incredibly hard to watch. It wasn't even like <laughs> there, there there wasn't even a chance that they were going to win that thing. Like basically from the very first drop of the puck. Um, and you'd think, you know, playing against the other team that has the, as of right now, is pretty much neck and neck with them. Uh, a couple of games in hand, I think, still, but pretty much neck and neck with them in terms of the race for the best odds at the first overall pick. So you would think, you know, if there was a game that would give them the best opportunity to kind of, you know, have a close one, right, that this would be it. No, very not the case, as much as you might have expected it. So anyways, what happened? Well, they didn't get off to a terrible start. First little first couple of minutes of the first period were not so bad, honestly. Um, Coyotes, of course, though, they get a cycle going not too long into the period. Travis Boyd gets in the slot, fires at home, one nothing for the Coyotes. Um, one that I felt like maybe Caden Primo should have had, but not a, not a glaringly bad goal. Uh, not long after that, of course, uh, Phil Kessel, cross-ice to Johan Larson. He snipes far side on Primo. That one I really thought Primo should have had. Um, and you're going to see later why I'm talking about, you know, whether or not I thought Primo should have had these ones. Anyways, it's 2 nothing for the Coyotes. Habs get one back, though. They get one back. Uh, Jonathan Drouin doing everything he can to keep the Habs in the basement bowl. Uh, gets a nice steal in the offensive zone. Feeds it across to Rem Pitlick. He gets his first goal in a Montreal Canadiens uniform. And it's 2-1. to one. The basement bowl is not over yet. But, of course, less than five minutes into the second period. Uh, for whatever reason, uh, the Habs don't do any kind of a switch at the blue line. Josh Anderson is basically just trying to follow uh, Janice Moser around the entire offensive zone. He's just skating pretty much freely, cutting through the Habs. Um, goes, to backhand, goes to the backhand. He beats Caden Primo, uh, makes it 3-1. to one. That one, zero fault on Primo. There was tons of traffic. And uh, they completely lost Moser at the blue line, so no fault to him on that one. And again, the, the Habs actually get it back. They're kind of staying in this basement bowl. Again, it is Jonathan Drouin still producing. Gets a good shot not too far from the point. Gets tipped in by Ryan Paling. That makes it 3-2. to two. They're hanging around. 
but it uh, it doesn't last very long whatsoever. Um, later in the frame, Nick Schmaltz scores. Dominique Ducharme challenges it for goaltender interference, but it is ruled that Alexander Romanov pushed Lawson Kraus into the net. I think it was Lawson Kraus anyways. And uh, so the goal stands and Montreal goes uh, to the penalty kill. Um, Brendan Gallagher actually tweeted out after the game, um, remarkably noticing some similarities in certain goals that have been disallowed this year that look pretty damn similar to the one that they allowed in this game. Hmm. Makes you think. Uh, also makes you think Brendan Gallagher can probably expect a fine from the league for that tweet. Uh, if you haven't seen it, I would encourage you to go over to his Twitter feed, and um, I'm assuming it's still up. Maybe they convinced him to take it down to try and minimize the amount of fine that he gets. Uh, but I, I think he's probably getting a letter from the league. <laughs> but I digress. Uh, again, I don't give any fault whatsoever to Caden Primo for that one. Uh, he was clearly run into whether or not you feel like Romanov made the push or not. You can't fault him for that one whatsoever. Now, this is why I brought up, this is why I kept talking about for each goal, you know, whether or not I faulted Caden Primo for them. Realistically, I thought there was only one that he should have had. Maybe you could say the first goal. I felt like the second goal, I, like that was a shot going far side like that. Uh, from a left-handed shot, I thought he definitely should have been able to stop that, and I think he was a little bit too wide. But for whatever reason, in the third period, Dominique Cham pulls Caden Primo, pulls him from the game. After the game, the media asked him about it, and he literally said, um, "I, I want to quote this directly." He said, uh, "Changing the momentum a little bit, sometimes just to spark the team. We cannot say it's his fault, but I wanted to see Montembeau in the third and see what would happen." What the fuck are you talking about, man? You're going to pull your goaltender to change momentum? When has pulling a goaltender ever changed momentum? Pulling a goaltender is something you do when that goaltender is getting shelled and they're and they're having a bad night, you know? If it's just not their night and they're getting absolutely red-lighted, then you pull them to save them from that. You don't pull a goaltender to change momentum. If you legitimately think is switching your goaltender out in the third period is what's going to spark you to a victory, then you should not be an NHL coach. You shouldn't. Because let's face it, switching the goaltender, what's Montembeau going to do? He's going to go out there and he's going to score? Is he going to score two goals? Is he going to score He's going to score a hat-trick? He's going to win you the game? That's what's going to happen? That's how you're changing momentum? Jesus Christ. I mean, <laughs> I, I, I don't know what to make of that. I When, when they did it, at first, I was like, okay, maybe he's hurt. And then after the, it became pretty apparent that he wasn't hurt because he was sitting on the bench and he looked fine. And then after the game, he comes out with this asinine statement that he did it for momentum. For momentum in a 4-2 game. The Los Angeles Kings lost like 6-1 to or 7-1 to or something tonight. And they didn't even pull their goaltender at all. So, like, what the... F- you know, I'm going to move on. Anyways... To finish off the recap, uh, I think you have a pretty good idea where this is going because they lost by a score of 5-2. to two. It was already 4-2. to two. Uh, Of course, Clayton Keller got an empty netter after he ended up pulling uh, Montembeau from the net, uh, the Nick Deschamps, that is, uh, to try and get the extra attacker. And <laughs> hilariously, the Habs almost scored with the extra attacker, but uh, missed, uh, I think it was Josh Anderson, whiffed on a puck in front of the net. It was bouncing a little bit, so I'm not going to jump on him too hard, but... Um, yeah, 5-2 to two loss in the basement bowl. Fucking basement bowl, baby. Shane Wright, shite for right, we're calling it. But anyways, back to my, back to my complaining. That's what I do, right? Um, Dominic Schaum has to go. 
he has to go. He has to be fired. There was um, some reports out there that the Montreal Canadiens were going to name their new general manager during that game against the Arizona Coyotes. That didn't happen, and then they said they're not going to be doing it. Um, you know, the, the same day even. So, but it's coming soon. Apparently, they have pretty much picked who it is. We're hearing that it's probably Kent Hughes, but it might also be Metzir Dash. Uh, I've been I've made it known before on the podcast and on Habs and Minded. I am partial to Metzir Dash, but whoever it is, the very first thing that I hope they do is fire Dominique Duchamp. That this right here, this tonight is a perfect example that he's in over his head. You are switching a goalie in a 4-2 game, hoping that it sparks you to a win. I don't know what more could possibly prove that you're not you're not it for this job. You had some success in junior, you had some success with Canada at the uh, at the World Juniors as well. You made a Stanley Cup final. I mean, I'll I'll say that. You know, you're always going to have that that you made a Stanley Cup final. You didn't win it, <clears throat> and you didn't have a good record even with that Stanley Cup run, even with that playoff run, even with that playoff run plus the year that went into it. And this season, you have a losing record as an NHL coach, and your idea on how to spark you to a victory over the second last place team in the NHL when you're the last place team in the NHL is to change your goaltender in the third period. What the fuck? I don't think that would work at any level of hockey. I don't think that works in junior. I don't know where you got that from, man. Uh, But anyways, that would be my first order of business because I don't think this team is going to succeed with him. When we looked at, uh, I mentioned it earlier, there was the play on the, what was it, the second goal? No, it was the, the third goal. Um, I was on Twitter, I was, I was making gifts, and um, Julian McKenzie, former uh, writer for Habs Eyes and the Prize, uh, now with The Athletic, he mentioned, he's like, it's way too easy for Arizona right now, they're just skating around like willfully in the Canadian zone. And I happen to have a good clip of that. If you go to my Twitter, you can find it. Um, literally, on that third goal... Anderson and uh, Christian Dvorak are both up high near the point. And Moser is obviously Anderson's guy, and they're playing some man-to-man there, but Anderson doesn't have the right track to get to him. So when Moser cuts and then he kind of goes to the outside a little bit, what they should have done is they should have switched, right? Should have switched. If they switch, then Dvorak would have had a a very good angle to get out there, and he would have cut him off. There would have been no opportunity for him to cut into the middle. His best bet would have been to like throw it back, uh, throw it into the corner, or maybe try to skate around, or maybe throw it back towards the point, in which case Anderson still would have been there, and he could have disrupted that pass, maybe even got himself a breakaway. But they didn't switch. Um, and I was talking about it in the EOTP chat afterwards with uh, with my buddy Nathan Nee, and he's like, well, you know, maybe that's what they're doing as they're playing man-to-man, um, or maybe they were supposed to switch, and Josh Anderson doesn't know how to switch. But I was looking at it, and I'm like, Dvorak doesn't even like flinch like he's going to switch. He's clearly staying there no matter what and Anderson is clearly going to follow his man no matter where he goes so I'm like this is this is what he's this is what Sharma is is obviously telling them to do this is his system if you will even though he says I don't do systems I do rules I guess that's his rule right well it's a stupid ass rule because what it did was it allowed Janice Moser I honestly don't know a whole lot about this guy as a player I think today might have been the first time that I watched him play he skates around the offensive zone with impunity. Impunity. The other teams, they take penalties against the Montreal Canadiens with impunity. I mean, the, the Habs did get one power play goal in that game, but the, the power play was brutal. 
Like, sure, they, they went one for three on the night, which is better than they do on a lot of nights. But the, in going one for three, they looked absolutely horrendous on the power play. No threat. So teams are just taking penalties with impunity against the Montreal Canadiens because they're not scared of what's going to happen during that two minutes or during that four minutes, whatever it is. They don't care because they don't legitimately believe that Montreal can do anything to them. So, uh, you know, all this to say, I wouldn't just make it Dominique Schaum. I'm not trying to lump all this on him. I would legitimately probably turn over this entire coaching staff. Start fresh. I don't know if, you know, with with these coaches, I, I really don't know that, you know, a first overall pick or second overall pick, whatever third, whatever they end up getting, if that's going to make any kind of a difference. I, I think it needs more than that. I think they need a fundamental change to the way that they're playing hockey. Because... Even when this team's healthy, they're bad. They got healthier before this game against the the Coyotes, and they looked worse. You know, they legitimate. They looked better when they had more AHL players, and you just can't have that. You can't. Um, silver lining of the night uh, was very tempted to give this one to Jonathan Drouin. I think he was the best player for the Habs on the ice. Um, so if it was player of the game, I would give it to him. But I'm going with Rem Pitlick as your silver lining. Rem Pitlick is interesting. He has seven goals this year. Uh, six of them were scored with Minnesota before they put him on waivers, and one of them now with the Habs. And only 14 shots. So I don't know if his goal pace, certainly that shooting percentage, stands out as as probably and very brutally un, un, unsustainable. But... He, he's interesting. I mean, he had a couple of decent scoring chances uh, in the game and only managed to put one of them in, but I, I like him. Uh, honestly, I was, I was watching that game. He, he was standing out, um, looked pretty fast out there. Uh, I like him, you know? I mean, I don't, I don't know if he's part of the long-term solution for this team. Honestly, I'm not sure if anybody is part of the long-term solution that's currently on the team anyways. Um, I think there's a few untouchables, but he's a guy that, you know, I'd, I'd like to maybe see him back next year. Uh, I think he can contribute in a bottom six role. Um, again, his shooting percentage is, is wildly unsustainable, but, um, you know, maybe he's just that good of a shooter. Who knows? We also have his brother, uh, Rhett Pitlick, uh, is a Montreal Canadiens prospect currently playing in the NCAA. So, um, yeah, I, I'd like to see him stick around. Um, we, we got him for nothing. Um, and he's, he's kind of an easy guy to root for, you know. I think he's going to be a little bit of fun uh, for the remainder of this year. If, of course, there's any fun for us to be had at all with this team. I don't know. So I'm going to end it there. Um, for anybody who, uh, who stuck through my entire rant about firing coaches yet again, right, with the fourth, fifth, sixth time I've done that this year, I don't know. I'm losing count. But I appreciate you. We're running... Um, right, right around 15 minutes here. So, uh, we are on Spotify, Google Play, uh, Megaphone, Apple Podcasts. Uh, I'm on Twitter at DrakeMT. Drop me a follow. I would appreciate it very much. Uh, not, a, not a long wait for the next episode because they are up again on Tuesday night against the Dallas Stars. So, hopefully, hopefully, maybe a little bit of a better game. Um, until then, à la prochaine. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? 
That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.